Good morning to all of you joining us online. It's such a privilege to be able to continue uh, with our series, Finding Peace. Um, last two Sundays, uh, Pastor Stan introduced and started kicking off our series. And if you haven't been following our series, I want to encourage you to go online to our social media there's lots of platforms for you to be able to, to have a look so that you can keep in touch with the whole idea and the focus of our beautiful series, Finding Peace. So important that we keep tapping in to find that place in our heart, in our journey, particularly as people of God who believe in Jesus. And uh, today I'll be your, uh, start, um, speaking on what you've heard so far on this topic of do not worry, be happy. Don't worry, be happy. That's our topic for this morning. When Pastor Stan asked me to speak on this topic, he said to me, Pastor Noke, you'll do well on this topic. And I said, why do you say so? And he said, because you're just a man that seems to be happy all the time and don't seem to worry. And I said, really? You know, I've been worried all along because he spoke on anxiety, and here I am speaking on worry. Of course, there is that overlapping aspect of worry in both. But what am I going to say anymore? Because it has been beautifully um, spoke about uh, by Stan. But the moment he said, you'll do this well because you're just a, a happy man, you never worry. You know, that worry just dropped immediately. <laughs> Because what I'm going to talk about this morning, it's about my life experience. And if that is all you're going to hear from me today, then you are listening to the best thing this morning. <laughs> and if you want to you know, if you wanna, uh, know a little bit more about how to experience what it means to be happy, then you need to go and live in Tonga for at least one month. Because Tongan people are happy people. You know, in Tonga... You know, they, uh, uh, you know, when Jesus spoke of, of, the, uh, of, uh, of the passage that we read in, 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 in the gospel, when he talked about, therefore I tell you, do not worry about what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, because tomorrow will worry about itself. The Tongan people know what that means. If you don't have anything to eat, all the entire neighbors have plenty of food to share. You know, if, if the hurricane come and take uh, the roof of the house or take the house, within a couple of weeks, you have a new house starting. You know, people just go and grab branches and build a house and coconut leaves and there's roof and you got a house and you, and you continue with life. You know, if you rock up on a Sunday and you're 30 minutes late, it doesn't matter. Time is only a suggestion. And if you're driving down the road and, and you, you know, 10 kilometers per hour, sometimes five, and you see a friend, you just stop by in the middle of the road, wind down the window, and you chat. Everyone's happy. No one cares. So in the next, uh, um, you know, next year, I'll be taking 20 unhappy people. And if you want to sign up to come with me to go and stay for one month, we got one, two, we got three sign up, otherwise you don't want to miss that opportunity um, next year. We worry because life is, is, is difficult. We worry because sometimes bad things happen. We worry 
about our daily provision, our job, our future, the future of our children. We worry about life and death, our health, our personal relationship, our finances. You know what? Worry is an epidemic that is sweeping across our nations. And it's affecting many lives. And in most cases, they are unknown. And the fact is, those hidden realities can only often be known, uh, not through stats and data, but through personal encounter with people. Pastor Stan started a series with talking about reality, um, about anxiety and fear, and today I'm speaking on worry. But you might ask the question, is there any differences between the two? Let me give you a rundown of the differences to make a point of where I'm going to head with my sermon this morning, the direction where I want to go. Here's the distinguish between the two. Worry resides in the mind, and anxiety affects the mind and the body. It's worry focused on specific Small little things, specific things that you worry about, and it usually happened right now, right then. Anxiety is a bigger thing, and it's more general things that you care about and worry about. Worry grounded in reality, what you see, what you hear, what you touch, and what you feel right there. Whereas anxiety is about catastrophic thinking. When you think about big things is going to happen, it's more catastrophic, and the more the catastrophe, the bigger the gap where anxiety and reality hits. Um, it's worry is more temporary. You worry today, you're okay tomorrow. You worry the next day, it comes and goes. Whereas anxiety, we know, is prolonged for a period of time. It's normal functions, doesn't often affect our health, whereas anxiety. It affects us in many ways. Worry and anxiety. Now, when you look at this comparison, um, highlight the list. When you look at it on your right, it seems like that anxiety is more a severe form of worry. That when you worry, worry, and you keep on worrying, and worrying, you get to that place where it's becoming more severe to the point that we, we get diagnosed, we get medicated, and we end up being hospitalized in that category. And, and in, that, in that stage, when we consider that, anything, any approach to try and help, any service that deal with this, it's usually in a form of intervention. So if you understand about the whole concept of health, uh, interventions, when you intervene with something who's already got the health of being diagnosed and have a severe condi- conditions, and whether it's a psychologist, or the medical doctor, or whoever providing services, you intervene. So that's an intervention. Here, and uh, we just finished in eight weeks of Fresh Hope for Mental Health. Um, sessions we did eight weeks, and we consistently committed to that eight weeks and just finished last week. We had people who were, came forward, who were diagnosed, some were not as diagnosed, but ex, ex, um, recognized there is something in their health that they're interested in looking at the health, fresh hope in our sessions. We have loved ones who care for the diagnosed person. 
And in that eight weeks, when it got to the end, we experienced um, some kind of recovery, we experienced healing, we experienced peace, and we experienced support within the group. And as we come towards the end, we were just grieved because we know it's coming towards the end. We, we've, we thoroughly got encouraged and we joined that meaning and the purpose and the impact make a difference to pretty much everyone in the group. We're going to continue to meet, but in a different way. So next year, we're going to continue to roll out our Fresh Hope for Mental Health sessions. And uh, if you're interested, go online and sign up. After the service, come and see me or at the newcomer's desk, at the, the, the desk out there, you can sign up. That's for next year. But notice that that is an intervention. And right on this side here, we focus on the other side of the coin, which is more on prevention. which is going to be our emphasis this morning. We're approaching worry at the early stage of life. It's called prevention or preventative approach. Looking how we can prevent worry from getting out of hand, getting out of control, and you ended up on the other side of the there, over there that is often harder to deal with. Well, but he said, Pastor, did you just make that up because it looks good? Is there any reason to support your statement? Just like Pastor Stan, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist. But I am a researcher. I've done research and I'm part of my doctorate ministry for Fuller. Looking at the holistic approach to human souls, soul care. Understanding holistically who we are as a person. So, I am a practical theologian because pastoral care, pastoral theology, and what does that mean? They look at Jesus' mission and, and, and caring for people in that regard. I'm currently doing some research from Melbourne University looking at the role and, and the power and the impact of faith-based community approach to health. So, I do have a qualification to make that statement. But I'll tell you what is the most important qualification I have. I've been a pastor for 20 years. And in that 20 years, I've had an encounter with numerous people sitting down and hearing their stories, hearing their struggles, hearing their recovery, and hearing about their healing. And for me, that is probably my past research daughter. Because I know, being in a research field, I know how reliable and reliable data can be. And I like just taking a survey and yes and no and yes and no, sitting down in that 20 years and hearing people's story, being moved and touched. I'll be reflecting from that perspective this morning. But here's what I know and believe that could change our lives for better. That if we can work on dealing with trying to prevent worry in this early stage. You know, worry about the things, the little things, we can avoid getting to that stage. And let me explain. Be happy. If that's our ultimate goal, if that's everybody here, our ultimate and, and the best life outcome that we want to be happy, then 
we are to look at this side, the next slide. We look at the ultimate reason and best contributor that will help us to deal with happiness better, but just don't worry. There's no rocket science. And if that's all you hear today and you go, just don't worry and then you'll be happy. It's that simple. We can all go home now. It will be helpful. But why worry? Why worry? If you can ask that first question. Well, here's what I know to be one of the big factor and contributor to us worry. A place in our lives where worry often born. It's what I call discontentment. Discontentment. What is discontentment? Well, here's discontentment. It's an unhappiness caused by the failure of one's hopes, desires, and expectations. We know that. It's also defined that discontentment is a longing for something better than a present situation. I will only be happy if my situation changes for the better, then I'll experience that happiness. <clears throat> so, in saying that, let me put this into a proper equation to, uh, to help you understand. If unhappiness is the things that we struggle with in life, and if it comes from being anxious about things, and if worry, worry, worry lead us to the place of anxiety, then we have to look at that contributor called discontentment. So, in order to understand what that means, and say the concept, well, I'm going to share free testimony. Only free. And I just want you to bear with me because you've heard this testimony before, maybe two of them, and then there'll be a third testimony. Because these testimony will explain what I'm on about this morning. And the first one, the first guy that we're going to listen to is the Apostle Paul. Now, if you're a new, you know, if you're still, if you're still learning about uh, Christianity and if you are new to the Bible, let me just give you a really brief uh, background to understand about this guy. Paul that we find in the Bible. The Apostle Paul, he was in prison. He was in prison as an evildoer. He was persecuted for standing up for faith. He was threatened. He was stoned. He was grieving for the loss of friends. He was beaten with rots and imprisoned in Philippi. That We're going to look at that text. Lacking resources and finances. He didn't have much. He had poor health and close to death. Here is Paul. This is Paul that we know in the Bible. And through it all, through it all, Paul became a better man that you and I know. If you've been long enough to understand the epistle and all the, what Paul has done for the church, he became the better man. Because through it all, he learned the secret of contentment. Then we're going to look at this, uh, this passage here. If you look back and, and see uh, Stan's um, uh, sermon, he was talking about this passage, Philippians 4. Earlier part, it says, do not be anxious. 
And then later, in verse 10 to 13, he said, do not worry. But he explained it this way. So it must be so important to Paul. He explained it this way. And I want you to note some of the emphasis, some of the emphasis of Paul's life and his testimony. I rejoice greatly. Remember, I spoke to you all about Paul, what he experienced. He came to that point that in spite of it all, I rejoice greatly. You know, talking about them concerning for him. And, and, he, and he say, I'm not saying this because I am in need. He acknowledged that. But he said, I have learned. Contentment is a learned thing. You don't just walk away from here and say, I've got it. It's, everything's going to be good. It's a learned Christian virtue. It's a discipline, but you've got to be willing to be learned. So in his life experience, Paul came to that point that he learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. And he elaborated a lot more in the next two verses. He said, I know, I know. He repeated a number of times, I know what does it mean to be need. I know that is to have, what is it to be plenty. I have learned the secret of being contentment. And in any, any every situation, he didn't say just some he said, in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, just an example of what he experienced at the time and the context, what he was, was saying this. And he said, I can do all, all of it. What did he do? He did contentment. Through his power, for the things that people tell him, no, he do it all. He learned and he actually lived it. And he finds that renewed strength in him, in his God. And there was the strength. There was the strength. You know, some, some often mistaken that text out of context and used to reinforce this kind of triumphalist or super-Christian mentality, instead of seeing that the strength of Jesus in Paul's, in his ability to be content when he did suffer in need. I think that's enough. You can understand his testimony. The second testimony, I want to jump back to Old Testament, King Solomon. If you're not familiar, go and read today Ecclesiastes book, because this is Solomon's personal testimony, all packed in there. And in chapter 1 alone, once you enter into chapter 1, verse 1, he said this in, in later, I have seen all the things that are done under the sun, and all of them, he didn't say some, but he said all of them are meaningless. Vanity, useless. And it doesn't mean that everything in this world has no value. But when he looked from a big picture, he's someone who has power, he's someone who has authority, who has the fame, who has the riches, he's the, probably the good-looking and strong, strongest man in town at the time. He was the king. And in all of that, and he's the wisest person beside Jesus. He had the wisdom. And in spite of all of that, he came to that point, probably like Paul, 
all is meaningless. Because he come to describe it this way, what is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. You know, what he is referring to is what is crooked that cannot be straightened, and we worry, and we stay worrying until something is straightened up. And not only take hours, it becomes days and weeks and months and years because it hasn't straightened up. But we worried and worried. What's lacking cannot be counted, and we worry that until they are, until we have them, we'll never be content. And Solomon, who have it all, he said, these are all wearisome and meaningless. Nothing important anymore. And then we come to the third testimony. Just two simple biblical story. And then we come to the third, Elvis Presley. Now, if you're a Generation Z, you'll have no idea who Elvis Presley is. Go and look it up. Elvis Presley, I, we used to go with a group of Tongan singers, and we used to go and sing at concerts and festivals and schools and churches with a group called the E-Tags, Evangelical Tongan and Jelly Gospel Singers. And uh, we did it for a number of years. And, and one of the songs that I used to love singing, in fact, it was the best song of all, is the song that called Crying in a Chapel. And I'm going to sing it shortly. Crying in a Chapel. And the reason why it was good is that people just love the song. They love the guy who was singing it. And people are often confused when they listen to the song to our recording. And they thought it was Elvis Presley. They were singing that song in our recording until they see me. <laughs> it's not Elvis Presley. <laughs> they thought the voice was until they see me and confused with the original recording. <laughs> but here is his testimony. Again, similarly. Someone who has the fame, someone who has the riches, someone who is the cutest man, rock and roll, king of rock and roll. He had it all. And here was his personal testimony. He said, I've searched and I've searched and I've searched and I've searched, but nowhere on earth I could find a peace of mind. And what did he do? He put it this way. Now I'm crying in a chapel. Metaphorically, the tears I shed were tears of joy. Why was it the tears of joy? Because I now know the meaning of contentment. I'm happy because I found what I was looking for. It's my God. It's my Lord. I did say I was singing it, but I'm sorry, I'm getting old now. I don't <laughs> sing. I used to 35, 60 years ago. Hearing these three testimonies, <clears throat> it all comes down to this Christian contentment. Means, don't worry, Christian contentment produces godly satisfaction. Don't worry simply means contentment. And the fruit of Christian contentment is godly satisfaction. That's what it means to be happy.
But there's a mistake that people often make, and it's this. Some, some think that contentment is sitting back and doing nothing. And the scientific term used to describe the kind of mentality is a new recent discovery term called, does anybody know? That's called lazy. <laughs> Have you heard of that term before? It's simply lazy. Let me explain. Contentment is a choice. It's choosing to accept, to accept the circumstances, especially if the circumstances, if the situation doesn't change. You know, if it doesn't change and you are, you are at peace with it. Ambition, ambition is, is, is really about, not, it's a choice not to be lazy and continue living as if there is no need for change, but a choice to go about and go above and go beyond and move beyond contentment with a desire to grow. Let me explain. You know, I'm not as good looking as Justin, nice and... <laughs> I admit and I confess, you love that. I am not as healthy if we run a race. I think he'll be just a little bit ahead of me, but I'm not going to beat him. <laughs> I know I have arthritis. I know that my weight is a little bit more excess. And I know if I... <laughs> yeah. I can, be dis I can't be content with that and do nothing but just staying home and enjoying my pork and my food and everything else. I could simply just do that. Who care? I'm Tongan. Who care? I just live like that. <laughs> That's unhealthy contentment. Healthy contentment, my weight and my look doesn't affect me mentally. There's some here who I get to see at the pool, just up the road there. You know what I'm talking about. When I'm in the pool, I wear a short and nothing else. I walk around, I got a little bit of this <laughs> and a bit of that. But I don't care how people look at me. I just go on with my business and accept my look. But here's where ambition comes in. I'm going to the pool two or three, sometimes four times a week. I may not lose that much weight, but I go and enjoy doing my exercise, doing my swimming. I'm not sitting at home and doing nothing. But I have the desire to choose to go beyond the contentment, con 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 contentment to go above that with that ambition. We made it to the semi-final. I know Tonga is coming up to play tomorrow morning. When they ask about starting slowly, the coach say, it's okay, we win big, but the semi-final is yet to come. Lifting the glory is yet to come. We're still going to have to work harder to get to that place to build some body strength, to get healthy, to enjoy social connection. I do that every week. 
because I have the ambition to keep working on my health. We make the mistake of being content as a way of giving up and have no desire for change. An excuse to be lazy and not trying to do something about it. In closing, I just want to leave you with this challenge. Maybe some of you, you're not happy, you're not satisfied. You've been anxious about things, you're not content with your life, your finances, your work, your marriage, your ministry, and its impact, your life, that you can't think straight, can't sleep at night, can't get things done. Think about what Jesus said. He said, can any one of you, by worrying, add an extra hour? Well, if I can do that, I'll hold, when I get to 9 o'clock in the morning, I'll hold the clock to stay at 9 o'clock until I, I finish worrying before 9 o'clock kick off on the next day. Can anyone do that? Then why are you staying worrying? I want to leave this challenge for you to think about it, to pray about it this morning, and when you're ready, to respond. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And if your answer is yes, you don't need to respond. But if your answer is no, then I want you to make a decision today to work on preventing the other side of the coin, to preventing worry from getting caught, to prevent your life from getting caught in worry and anxiety, letting it control your life, robbing the joy of the Lord that we've been singing at the start. I want you to take a moment just to sit with that question, and then I'll ask you to read this response on the screen. Quietly in your heart. And then we're going to read together. If that is a response, in the next slide, having heard those three testimonies, would you like to make that commitment today? If you say no to that question, then you cannot add one hour. I want you to read with me. Go back to the previous slide. Just read with me. Let's read together. I admit that I have been so discontented with life. At times unhappy and wanting more and better for my own sake. After hearing the testimonies today, I therefore choose to learn the secret of contentment and apply it to my life regardless of my situation.
Christian contentment is a choice you make, a strength you have to experience, an ability to do and to be able to say that no matter what happens in life, through it all, through it all, it is well, it is well, it is well with my soul.